Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Hashtag Clocked In with me, your host, Jordan Edwards. I'm thrilled to have you tune in as we dive into the dynamic world of productivity, success, and stories of incredible individuals who've mastered the art of getting things done. Whether you're commuting, hitting the gym, or just relaxing at home, this podcast is the go-to source for inspiration and actionable tips to level up your productivity game. I'm on a mission to unravel the secrets of those who seem to effortlessly manage their time and achieve their goals. So if you're ready to clock in and unlock your full potential, you're in the right place. We've got a lineup of amazing guests, industry experts, and thought leaders who will share their insights and strategies to help us crush your to-do list and make the most out of every moment. Get ready to get inspired, motivated, and equipped with the tools you need to supercharge your productivity. This is Hashtag Clocked In with Jordan Edwards. Let's dive in. What's up? It's Clocked In with Jordan Edwards here. Hey guys, I got a special guest today. We have Baz Porter. He is a renowned inspirational speaker and life coach who has helped thousands of people find peace in their lives. His story begins when he served as the British Army soldier, and after his service, he was diagnosed with PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. He overcame depression, anxiety, addiction, and homelessness. Despite the hardships Baz faced, Something within him kept pushing forward, and his gift for helping others align with their true selves would soon come to be his calling. Baz uses his many gifts, including his divine channel, to support people from a higher perspective. Baz Porter's mission is to help you live your best life possible through coaching that will give you the tools to stop being stuck in your old patterns and start living purposely. He will guide you on how to bring more joy into your life by identifying what truly matters most so that you can make the positive make positive changes that last that's his mission simply Baz, how are we doing today jordan thank you very much for having me i'm great thank you how are you i'm awesome uh yeah i'm definitely excited to have you on the clocked in podcast Baz, tell me a little bit where where'd your uh, where'd your story start uh my story started uh, a long time ago in london um, I was born South London. I moved up to Bedford. Uh, I was a little rebel and I joined the army at a very early age where I thrived within the forces. My forces career took me around the world, uh, many operational tours, uh, saw a lot of things, did a lot of, um, had a lot of experiences, not all positive, but they shaped uh, what I do today because I use some of them experiences to help others um, in my life today. Awesome. And when you were in the military, what was, you said you entered young. So what age would that be for the people? I joined, what I joined the forces. Um, I joined the forces at 15 and I did nine years. So I was a boy soldier when I joined. Um, the, I was actually the last junior leaders course to go through. So that was just under a year's course where you're taken from where you are and you're molded um, to be a soldier and not just a boy, but be a specialist in, in your career, in your field, which was infantry originally. Oh, wow. And 
this was um, because you were, did you have some stuff going on that caused <laughs> you to end up going there? <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I wasn't always a good boy as a kid. Um, I got into the wrong crowd and um, basically I got caught doing some naughty things. Yeah. Uh, the naughty things led me to go to uh, the police station where I was told that um, I was going to prison or I was going to join the army. So I joined the forces, uh, or they said the forces, one of the forces, which was Army, Air Force, Navy. Yeah. So I chose the army, and my father came down um, to sign all the paperwork. That happened in the May. And in the November, after passing a fitness test and their interview process to make sure I was actually sane, um, and fit enough to join the forces. Um, I was uh, recruited into the forces, into the army for basic training. Wow. November 1995. Wow, I didn't even know people could go in at 15. Yeah. With, back then, um, with parents' consent and the right circumstances that were still allowing you to go in, it was the last junior leaders course to go through. Now they turned it into foundational college which when you leave school at the age of 16 in the UK, you can actually go into foundational college and do a year's, year's course there. They take you in a bit earlier, so you do your exams, uh, your GCSEs or whatever that is over here in the, in the forces, and they, do, you, they set, set aside schooling along with military regiments so they can you know, intertwine everything, but it's not like it used to be. Uh, the, the political correctness of the world has taken over um, somewhat, and it's a, a rather different um, different experience. Company. Yeah, um, yeah. Experience. So for you, so you go fifteen to nine years would be twenty four. Yes. And <laughs> were you inclined to want to leave, or was it you just it was your time? It was my time. Um, I'd been away from my battalion for um, about just over five years doing other things with another regiment. Um, and when I came back, the forces that I'd left to do something else specialised um, were not the same. The intake, the level of maturity had changed and it was just my time to leave. And I'd seen enough and done enough to realise that I'm done and I had to step back um, and then in the April of 2004 I left um, which was an incredible pivot for me a transitional period because I knew nothing else all I'd known from the age of 15 is the forces structure and when I left there was no structure I had no social skills really um, I didn't know I had PTSD at the time and I do did afterwards consequently. I didn't have any saving financial structures or how to save money. Did, were they at that time? Were they because uh, I know in the US they pay you every single year and then people end up sit, having it, but they don't usually have the financial skills to go, what's next? Yeah, no, I, I did my nine years. Um, I could have done another three years and got my half pension. I didn't. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, so I, don't, I didn't have a pension. Um, so I, they just gave me a lump sum and off you go. Uh, but 
And I yeah, but when you have no idea what's yeah. going on mm-hmm. in the world, because you've never had to say like you've never had to do any of those elements, so it causes a lot of yeah, no idea next steps. Yeah, I can yeah, imagine it's it's really bad in in transition. Back then, it's not so much now. It got better now. It's not perfect. Like any structure, is not perfect. There's always room for improvement. But back then, when I left, I got given my medals. Um, my my red book, which is the achievement book, and the train fare home, and that was it. I didn't have anything else. And I did a month of security work for a friend of mine in Hereford, guarding cars, um, beating up people because they were trying to nick the cars, which is ironic because that's why I went in the, the army for anyway. Yeah. Nick engines out of cars. Um, and I did a month of that. I was doing nights, 14 hours, long nights, very, very good money. But one morning, um, I think it was about May, end of May time, middle of May, I think it was, I just turned and clicked, I can't do this anymore. I yeah. need to do something else. And yeah. Jason, who was my boss at the time, I uh, phoned him up and I said, Jason, I, I can't do this. This is, this is not who I am now. I'm repeating these patterns. Can I have my check? I want to stop. And he was like, wow. Uh, okay. So he came to meet me, gave me my check. I would say goodbye. I cashed the check. I went to the travel agents and I booked um, the nearest flight, the next flight out of the country, which was four hours, approximately four and a half hours from when, it, when I booked it. And it was to Cyprus. It was the last seat on that plane to Cyprus. Wow. Home. And um, I packed a bag, a rucksack, and I left the country. I sold my car at the, at the uh, airport for £200. I put my mobile phone in the bin, and I disappeared. And I became whatever I wanted to be in, the, in, the, in Cyprus. I landed yeah. in Cyprus, went to Ayanapa, which is party capital. And I, the first day I got there, I found a job selling water sports on the beach. Yeah. I was a nobody. I was quite fit and good looking back then. Age has caught up with me since then. Um, <laughs> and I started selling water sports. And I target big people, big groups of people on the, on the beach. And I'd made a, a living doing that. And then two or three months doing that, I started doing karaoke in a place called Bedrock, um, which I loved. Learned you know, how to present myself to stages. I mean, we were getting four or 5,000 people easily a night. Oh, wow. It was the biggest karaoke bar in Europe at the time. I don't know what it is now. I haven't been there for a long time. Yeah. Um, and then I slowly learned to play DJ. I learned to play music. And then for seven years, um, I was there and I learned how to DJ. I became a very successful DJ. Uh, we did sets for Pioneer Records. I worked in Castle Club, uh, Jasmine Inn, some notorious clubs out there. Loved it. I, one sec, Baz. This is incredible that you just dropped your stuff and was yeah. like, I'm out. I'm going to go hit the road. What were you thinking at that time? And what was it that you were really looking for? Was there, like, to fill that? I didn't know. I didn't know. Yeah. Jordan. 
I I didn't know what I was looking for. Uh, I I knew I couldn't find it where I was. Yeah. I just felt lost back then. Yeah. But I I was a very positive. I was still am a very positive person. Um, I didn't want to give up, although through the consequences said I have had times where I was like, I'm done, checking out, you know, I had enough. But I didn't know what I was looking for. I didn't know if anything, I was trying to find myself again. Because I was told always to be some to be one thing, but I didn't know what that was anymore. I had I yeah. felt as if the world didn't have a place for me, so I was trying to find my place. Yeah, years I was like that. Um, for my the time in Cyprus, what I didn't realise was I was drinking more and taking more drugs because that's the lifestyle that I was in. I went yeah. there and you were just submersed in DJing women. Um, you know how that goes. Uh, All around, yeah, and, and you just. You just drink drugs, women, sex, and all the sun. The but, whole- but it brings up a, a very good <laughs> point mm-hmm. that our circumstances can definitely change who who we can be at certain points. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. What I didn't realize was the reason behind that. I was um, suffering from why then now is commonly known as PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. Now, uh, it's very common with military personnel who retire or even in services to have um, flashbacks, nightmares, reoccurring anxiety, um, fear, and they manifest physically. You have cold sweats, you start um, having day terrors. So you you emotionally, you go back to places and sometimes you, you hallucinate because you go back to these places you were in and you think you're back in these situations it can become very, very draining. And what, uh, at this point, what, how many years have you been out of service? Seven years. Wow. Like this wow. stuff that, yeah. Yeah. I mean, but I didn't know what was going on because I was suppressing all of this stuff through drink and drugs. And I started to turn yellow while I was in Cyprus my whole system started to shut down. My liver started to fail. Um, and I went, I didn't, I wasn't feeling well for a while. I went to the doctor eventually because I don't like going to doctors. And I walked in there. I was this funny pasty yellow color. color and he was like, oh dear. And he ran some tests to confirm what he already knew. He says, if you don't stop drinking, you're going to die. Your liver's failing. And you need to stop drinking today, now. You need to stop everything, now. And I couldn't do that while I was in Cyprus. Yeah. I just, I knew I couldn't be, be, be that person. I was around it all. I was DJing. I was around, still in that environment. So I walked out. <laughs> I booked a flight, same day. It cost me a fortune. It cost me something like nearly a $1,000 over that. Thousand, oh, wow. Thousand, I think it was 1,000 euros over to get a flight out that same, same day. Um, and it was literally, I need to leave now. And um, I was in a relationship at the time with a girl called Tracy, who, um, you know, I didn't treat her very well at all. 
Uh, I was cheating on her with doing what I was doing. I was just a, being a, a bastard. Yeah. Um, but I, I flew back with, with to see her. She was in the UK. Um, and I got help. I had to stop drinking. I had to sort of slow myself down. And it didn't work. Um, when I stopped, all these nightmares came flooding in. The anxiety, the not knowing, or the uncertainty. I used to visualize going back to scenarios when I was in the forces. Yeah. And I didn't understand what it was. No one told me I didn't know about PTSD back then. So I just sort of like, well, oh, okay, well, this is uncomfortable. But I knew I had to stop drinking. And this went on for months. And I actually started working, going back into um, security work. I worked for Pleasure Beach in Blackpool, which is one of the big. Now, in that time, when you bought that same day flight, where did you go? I ended up in Blackpool. Um, so I landed in Manchester. Uh, okay, so it's still the UK. Yeah, I went back into the okay. UK. Um, and I ended up working in, Black, in Blackpool, a place called Blackpool which has a pleasure okay. beach, tried to live a normal life, whatever normal is, uh, <laughs> normality is. Um, and the nightmares came back. Uh, consequently, because of that, I lost my job because I, I couldn't function. I couldn't need a normal life. I was, you know, nighttime, I'd go to the bars and I'd be in the bar from, you know, when as soon as I finished work until it closed. My relationship oh, wow. suffered. And I was trying to make sense of everything going on. I didn't stop drinking then. I carried it on. Um, eventually, it caused me lose, to lose my job. And my relationship broke down. Uh, she said she didn't want to be with me, which I completely understand. You know, I was an asshole. No one wanted to know me. Uh, I felt worthless. Um, I ended up going back to Hereford, which I had friends there or people I knew at least and a very old acquaintance of mine and a friend of mine um I remember phoning him and saying look I'm I need help I don't know what I'm doing anymore and he actually locked me in in his house and sobered me up he went through a major detox and helped me get off oh my god I did did a six month period a six week period where he just locked me basically in a room virtually most of the day and I went cold turkey and he used to feed me and and support me like that um and that's how I stopped drinking and the drugs but it was extremely difficult and then he said you know I think you could have PTSD I have it and he explained to me what it was because he's been through it and I was like that this is what I'm going through this is someone I can relate to he's an old army friend of mine um and he he helped me go through that transitional period and understand a lot of questions I had. But I didn't know really what it was at the full extent of this. Um, and I was in and out of homelessness. And, you know, I'd ended up after that just going completely off the rails. It was just overwhelming. So I went completely off the reservation, went back to the drugs, Went back to the uh, drinking, ended up being home. So, so real quick. So when you, when your friend, when you called him for the help, Mm -hmm. 
you went over there for six weeks. Yeah. He, you guys ended up sobering up, and then it proceeded went, went back to go back it. again. Yeah. I fell off the wagon uh, because I couldn't cope. Yeah, um, ended up being, you know, in that environment, doing the drugs. I ended up homeless. Uh, no one wanted to speak to me or know me, really. And I thought I was done. Um, and then a daughter of um, a former colleague that passed away in the forces. I eventually linked up with her. Um, still, she's very, very good friend of mine. Um, I was doing this this gardening job that I was good at. I love gardening; it was very grounding for me. But it was still, I was still on that. Um, do I drink? Do I not drink? Trying to sober up. Didn't know what to do in my life, etc. But I love gardening. It helped me sort of ground myself and level myself. I ended up working for a very prominent person uh, who. Uh, gave me a home for a four year, two two and a half years, nearly three years, I think it was, uh, in uh, on their estate. That's a longer story. And then um, I ended up working for a public garden. After that, open to the public, very prominent garden called uh, Ralph Court Gardens in Bromyard. I had a spiritual awakening uh, where I started to see things for was being gifted. As a kid, so I thought I was a medium, um, a healer. That was scary, and that's when my life fell apart for the last time. And what do you mean by see things? What, what is that? I was is seeing spirit energies. Yeah, spirit oh, energies. Really? Um, I began to get messages. It was a mess. Um, and this was because of my trauma that opened me up to all this. I'd seen things as a kid uh, I didn't want to see. I didn't know how to explain it. I knew things before they'd happen. Uh, that expanded in that 2018 period, or 2016 to 2017 that happened over expense, over extended period of time. Then this sort of platform opened up to me, and uh, my boss in August of 2018 was shouting at me and I just had enough. Um, it wasn't me, it was just, he was just who he was. He was, came out uh, shouting at everybody, not just me, but everybody. I was in charge, so I got the front of brunt of it. One day I was, I think I was digging out some onions <laughs> um, in the vegetable garden. He came out and was shouting at me, why are you digging up these onions? I haven't told you to dig up. I said, I'm the head, I'm the head gardener here. This is what you needs doing because it's going to rain tomorrow if it rains and water gets in these onions they'll spoil waste crop something clicked in me they just said actually i'm done being shouted at i'm done being trapped like this you're not worth my time and i actually i didn't say anything to him i said excuse me and i pulled my phone out and I emailed him on resignation in front of him. <laughs> and he's like, what are you doing? What are you doing? I'm emailing you. We one minute. I'll tell you what I'm doing afterwards. Send. So that if you go and check your uh, computer now, you'll see my immediate resignation. Thank you very much for your time. But you obviously don't value who I am or anything that I do. I'll be seeing you. Picked up my fork and left. 
that's that's powerful because yeah. it it gives everyone this moment that even when they're facing hardship, even when they're in a bad situation, even when they're in anything, you always have control to say, I'm done. Yeah, it's a decision. I'm done. <laughs> so just, yeah. It's a decision and that's it. Um, and then <laughs> that week, in this week, this is, this is going to blow your mind. Um, I lost my house where I was living. My car broke down. So my yeah. house and my my house where I was living and my car broke down, <clears throat> gone. Wow. So I'm living with a rucksack again. Don't know what I'm going to do. Uh, my uh, my friend's daughter phones me up. She says, I hear you in a bad way. Come and stay. I've got a spare bed. Come and stay with me. So I did. My old boss from the military phones me. She said, I hear you. What's going on? Are you okay? She, now her name's Mel. She's a very good friend of mine. Yeah. Um, so I said, I'm okay. I'm, I'm going through a tough spot, etc. Can you know? Can we meet? Did that. In the meantime, I'm still going through a spiritual awakening period. So I'm scared. You know, I'm yeah. very vulnerable. I'm raw. I'm scared. And I keep getting this this thing to to travel. Yeah. And I've got no bloody money. How am I going to travel? Well, no, really? Anyway, I come up with this concept to earn enough money to start helping people. So I yeah. set up a Facebook page and I start helping people on the phone for, believe it or not, $11. I do $11 yeah. per session. And I spend hours just doing this, giving people yeah. advice, spiritual advice. You whatever yeah yeah anything and i learned enough to buy a plane ticket to new york and i left the uk on january the 6th 2019 with a plane ticket to new york and 360 dollars in my back pocket and i traveled the world on donations no way and this is why i wanted to ask come on because these stories are just incredible Um, it shows you what's possible so continue on and until you actually step into that and start trusting what you are and who you are, you don't know your limits. You don't yeah. know what's possible. I did 33 states in three months on donations. I ended up in Los Angeles, and I've met hundreds, probably thousands of people during that period of time. Of course. And I did it on Greyhound buses, on Amtrak, hitchhiking, you name it. It was incredible. And I eventually ended up in Los Angeles of Angels where I met um, a person I now call my wife and best friend. It took me three days. I mean, she was a plus one with a client of mine at a restaurant. We met. We had three magical days and I flew to Australia. So we got to know each other long distance while I was traveling around Australia doing what I was doing in the US there, helping people. And you had this uh, Australia trip was already decided. Yeah, Yeah, I had to, because of my visa ran out in the US, I could not overstay that visa. It's just a palaver. There's too much hassle with it. I was like, I don't care. I've got to leave. I'm out. Let's keep moving. Yeah. Um, And this relationship was blooming with Nicola. Um, 
it bloomed so much, we both decided that I would come back to the US, still not knowing what was going to go happen. Yeah. And I started to expand my business while I was in the US. And we got to know each other more. We actually ended up getting married just before COVID in September um, in Orcas Island in Washington State. And a good friend of mine gifted me that trip, all divinely timed. Yeah. Uh, Gerard Butler came to my wedding, com- completely coincidental, <laughs> but he came yeah. to my wedding. Uh, on a, I had coffee with Gerard Butler 10 minutes before I went to my wedding. incredible and then then i got married and then covid happened and relationship our relationship was tested uh during that time we thrived and i expanded my business i ended up uh, becoming a platinum partner this year with tony robbins and that community was absolutely amazing fully uh support that and now i'm a part of uh unblinded um, community with Sean Callagher. He's also connected to Tony Robbins and that world. Um, the people that I've met that I call my friends and mentors have changed my life and turned me around. People like Tony Robbins, people like Sean, and many, many others have completely transformed my outlook on life and they support many, many others doing what um, I'm very passionate about which is transforming people's lives using my own experiences and putting them into reality and actioning these things. Because I remember a time where I didn't think it was possible. Yeah. I remember the time where, you know, the suicidal thoughts of depression, the drinking, the not seeing a way out. Yeah. I'm truly living proof that the impossible becomes possible with a bit of belief and knowing that whatever you're going to, it's never the end. It's just the beginning of a new journey. Yes. And within the COVID period, I became an author. Uh, Using Trauma to Thrive was released it's on Amazon, etc. cetera. Uh, we're going to be doing a re-release of that, a second edition, because the some things have changed. I want to expand what I'm doing with a foundation called A Million Dreams, expand the coaching um, to help other people with immersions. So yeah. Well, it's changed. There's many things going off at the moment. So we're in this transformational period once again because business always is transformed. As we transform people, we transform everything around us and the world transforms. To keep up with that, it's all about self-mastery, knowing what we want, adhering to it, adding value, contributing to others, uh, having the connections, building out and helping support other people in their ventures. Also remembering where we are as people and remain humble with it because people... Absolutely. Um, I I did have a couple of points that I wanted to bring up. For (laughs) the book, when you you wrote that, um, the trauma to thrive yeah how why why during that time did you, i believe what, the um the message was throughout covid that people were lost people were uh, very very uh, live, much living in fear in the world uh, you had always panic and still do to some respects 
and this is yeah. this school. I'm not here for political. Things. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, I, I completely agree. I've been seeing the same thing. Um, they're in fear. They don't know what to do or how to react. They're being told one thing. They're believing another. There's no substance of truth behind it, or there's an element of. They need clarity within themselves to make an dis- informed decision, and they're not getting that. Yeah. And the message from the book was: you have the clarity. Look within. It's yeah. possible. Believe in yourself and open yourself up to uh, larger, larger things and bigger prospects within your life, and it becomes possible. The impossible is possible. That's why I did the book. Um, and I want to add to that, add more value with people by adding and expanding my global vision with a social impact program to merge ecosystems internationally with major, yeah. major organizations for charitable causes. That's a deeper subject. And um, that's in transition now where we're actually scaling up and we're helping uh, members partner up with others and, and merging things and doing some really you know, informative uh, transformational stuff, but for the people, not just for the members. Yeah, for the groups. And I, we were going to dive into that next because um, obviously the book is, everyone's got to check out the book. Um, what is it with the Million Dreams Foundation? I know we've talked about this yeah. in New Jersey. I know you were hinting towards it a little bit, but really elaborate and kind of open the door on what that yeah. is. Yeah. Um, New a Million Dreams Foundation is designed to uh, be for the members, run by the members, for the people, cutting out the middlemen and the corruption between the middlemen and removing the politics in the world and creating um, education, mental health support, uh, financial support, food support for the people who need it and getting the funding to them directly. This is a model for partnering up with major corporations where they sell memberships to their, their members. Who get The members get their services at a discounted rate. So they get their, their, the membership they pay into the Million Dreams back. The, foundate, the members and the corporate partners get... Uh, media coverage and social coverage, so they look good in front of everybody. For supporting other charitable organisations, the charities we partner up with provide uh, we provide the finance for their mem- their people. So like Feed America, um, Help for Heroes, Walking with Wounded, Gary Neeson East Foundation, to name a few. These are the people I'm in talks now with to partner up yeah. to elaborate and expand on what they're doing to get a positive message out and support for where it's actually needed not for where the finance ended up going to the people yeah so you cut out the bullshit excuse my language in the middle of it to empower people rather than the people behind the message okay and when you say remove the <laughs> like remove the middle piece yeah what are you really uh, uh, every charitable organization is, is flawed because they're always looking for funding. With this, okay. this is a funded uh, project by the members for the members. So as long as there's memberships always, which there, there, there's no reason why there shouldn't be, yeah, there will always be finance being provided. 
This is not a charitable organization, but it funds charities. The charities always have that middle overhead where they're always looking for funding to find out to do something else, to fund something. Yeah, the next project, yeah. This creates none of that. It actually supports them projects to constantly give funding in. Yeah. But everybody wins. The members win because they get the corporate companies to provide the discounts so they get the membership back. The, the corporate companies win because they can get the membership, uh, the, the finances back from the tax rebates because it's yeah. all done to charity. They also get the publicity and look good in public eye. This is yeah. a social impact program. Yeah. And it's not for me. It's actually to leave a legacy for the people to give a foundation and a solid base for their future. Yeah. That's yeah. How do you, through your experience, obviously you've had a multitude of different, uh, let's call them lives, uh, through your military life, childhood life, um, the travel life, uh, the homelessness to where you are today as life coach and all of that. How do you deal with uh, identity and who you are and what you see yourself as? The reason I bring this up is because mm-hmm. there's a lot of people who go, I'm a doctor. <laughs> and they're just like, you're just the doctor. Oh, you're not a dad, or any of that. And I, and I laugh and I'm glad you laugh too, because it is, mm-hmm. it's an issue that a lot of us have where we provide I, too much to it. I, I believe we are. I'm going to use the old cliche, we identify with identities too much. We're all human. We all have our special gifts. We all do certain things to show up in different ways of people. But we must remember what our talents are actually can provide a passion for us and empower others. I use my talents now through my life experience uh, uh, to help others because I truly know of a better way coming from honor into the rags and, and doing all that and into living my purpose and dream. I'm not, I don't want to be, you know, I'm not above anybody. But I'm the same as you, but I have a story that I've applied to help others. Yeah. And I, I, mean, I, I if you want to identify me or try and put me in a box, I'm a life strategist. I can't be a life coach. I don't believe in that label. But I take people and meet people exactly where they are and guide them and support them through the journey of level them up to the next level or wherever they want to. There isn't a limit. The, the, the belief is the limit. Yeah. And exactly. And at that uh, unblinded immersion in New Jersey, I saw Baz working with different individuals and we were seeing breakthroughs happen that I, it, it triggered me to like, wow, I, I got to hear more about Baz and what, what Baz is up to. And um, yeah, it's definitely uh, something to see, something yeah, I mean, to be around. It's, it's, a, it's really good to, to watch people transform in that way as well. Like, it's not a job. This is a passion and I actually love doing this. Um, yeah changes people internally first and then the external manifestations happen uh, and there's many ways of doing that um, and I'm, I don't I don't know 
what to identify with apart from I'm a human with passion. That's how I identify. Is that? Yeah. I, I think that's a brilliant answer because it allows us to not be placed in these boxes and have these limitations of if he, if Baz was in the box of I'm just a military guy, he would still be there. Mm-hmm. But yeah. he, uh, and I bring this up just so that the audience can sit there and reflect where they're maybe they're at today and meet them at their point and be like, maybe they want to do something different, but just because you've been doing something for nine years, 10 years, doesn't mean you got to keep doing it. No, you can change at any point. And the change starts uh, with a decision. You get the choice. So if you want to change, make a decision today and then follow it up. Don't just decide and go, that's it, because there's more to come afterwards. You know, decide and then commit to it. Also take the action and follow it up. If you need support, reach out to someone who can give you that support. Yeah. But be choosy who you associate with. That's all I will say. We've all had bad experiences with people. Don't be one of them people. Be choosy. Know your own value. Yeah. And let's dive into that real quick, and then we'll wind this thing Mm -hmm. down. Uh, Choosing the people that you're with. I think I know what you're talking about a little bit, but just dive into it a little bit. Does that mean that my mom can still be – my therapist, yeah. as well as my <laughs> life coach, and this and that and that. It's interesting because I see it with a lot of parents. They place them in this um, unlimited box where they can solve any problem. And that that might be true when you're three years old. Mm-hmm. That might be true when you're five years old. But when you get up to 13, things change. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, family will always be family. And absolutely, regardless of what happens you will always have a family. You may not see eye to eye all the time, but they are truly your family. When you are choosing someone to help support you, make sure that, number one, you know before you go somewhere, this is an investment in yourself. And the investment in yourself is something that you're going to carry with you for the rest of your life. It's not just for six weeks or six months or a year, whatever you decide to do. This is a transformation that's going to change your life. And it's an investment, not just something you're going to do and and just put your half of yourself into. So with saying that, be choosy who you surround yourself with. Because... It's who you surround yourself with you eventually end up being to become. So be wary where your standards are. If you're going to surround yourself with alcoholics, you're going to become an alcoholic. Trust me, I know all about that. Yeah. Surround yourself with positive people and aspiring people with passion, have vision, and have not necessarily financial wealth, but wealth as in they feel good about themselves. That's who you can become. So be mindful of where you are within your peers because that's eventually what you'll become. Yeah, and to give an example of anyone who wants to, it doesn't have to be, it's not who your best friend is. It's not who you hang out with. It's 
who you spend that most time with. Yep. So that is very key. So one of the ways I do that is I have podcasts like this <laughs> where I get to talk to cool people and I get the inspirational people. My girlfriend actually made the comment. She goes, I told her about the different people that I've been having on the last couple of weeks. And she mm-hmm. goes, Jordan, these are inspirational people. Yeah. They're becoming inspirational. Yeah. And I'm like, we're working on it. We're working on it. But I bring up that point that you can create whatever you want. Yeah. Like everyone can do it. It's true. And you, we're all living proof of that at certain, certain levels. I'm not where I want to be, but I'm working towards it. I'm not where I was because I don't want to be there. I'm yeah. not that person. And I'm sure, Jordan, you're not that person going back a few years ago. We evolve and we change. And that's the point. We evolve and we change with it. The resistance will always be there. It depends on how much we want this before we actually get it. Yeah. It does happen. Absolutely. Awesome. And Baz, where can people find you? And if you have one last quote to leave the people with, what do you think it is? Start living your purpose but live it with passion and you'll truly find happiness uh, look within it's there now, if you want to find me uh, bazporter.com um, twitter facebook just type in bazporter um, i'm the ugly one in the uh, in the corner and that'll be me uh, but yeah <laughs> I'll, I'll add the links to the okay. description as well and that's this has been an absolute pleasure to hear your story from from everywhere to see and i'm looking forward to seeing you in west palm beach yes very soon Um, very much so thank you for reaching the end of the podcast for that we'll give you a complimentary coaching session in the link below with edwards consulting hope to see you there and have a great day and keep clocking in thank you for reaching the end of the podcast for that we'll give you a complimentary coaching session in the link below with edwards consulting Hope to see you there and have a great day and keep clocking in.